five breakfast catch up. All right, so yesterday we spoke extensively. We had a great interview that you can get on the 5FM app right now. It's all of the best moments of 5 Breakfast on the whole station, available for free download and stream in a podcast form and also great 5FM TV, by the way. You need to go check out Kia Boya's new unscripted. I'll give you a taste of that. Actually, I did just give you a taste of that, but it's an amazing conversation that you had as part of our series of all the different 5FM presenters having interesting, unscripted, unfiltered, unlimited, uncensored conversations with fascinating people. But yesterday we spoke about the breaking news that Sheba the tiger was killed, or at least put down, euthanized, whatever you want to say, after four days of killing two animals, attacking one human being after the tiger escaped from a privately owned small holding run by somebody called Rassi Erasmus. No, not that Rassi Erasmus is what I have to say. And a lot of people during our interview yesterday were asking, what are the legal ramifications for this? Because bizarrely, you can privately owned tigers in Gauteng and Madli, did you say Limpopo and Northwest also? Yeah, but I'm speaking under correction, but that's what I read apparently there as well. So we are now going to welcome an an attorney onto the show who knows a bit about this, Caleb McKellar. Good morning, Caleb. How are you doing? Thanks for joining the show. Thanks for having me on, Dan, and good morning to all your listeners. Thanks a lot, Caleb. So there were a lot of questions yesterday about what legally happens now. So firstly, like... Who was allowed to say that the tiger was allowed to be put down? Did we need to ask the permission of Rassi Erasmus, the owner? Um, because it's ultimately his animal. Like, at what moment does the state get to say this is a public menace or something like that? Absolutely, Dan. I think what we need to consider is whether or not the person that ultimately put down the tiger was acting reasonably. So, were they potentially acting in self-defense or were they acting in the public interest? was the tiger at the time that it was put down posing a, a risk to those around it? Um, those would be the questions we would need to ask when determining whether or not the putting down of the tiger was legal. Ultimately, in the ordinary circumstances, you obviously cannot just walk onto someone's premises and put down their pets. For sure. um, so, but in this circumstance where the pet was had escaped and was potentially posing a threat to the general public and potentially even persons that were trying to deal with it, uh, it, it would come down to that question of whether or not the person that ultimately pulled the trigger, so to speak, was acting reasonably. Yeah, and that's so wild, Caleb, because you make a good point. It's like, technically, we would classify this animal in many con- contexts as a pet, which is so crazy. And it reminds me of the pit bull con- kind of conversations that the country was having a few months ago. Okay, thank you for answering that. Now there are a lot of people who are like, because I think uh, the person who was attacked, unfortunately survived the tiger attack, is uh, intending to open kind of like litigation against the tiger owner. To what extent is the, uh, is the owner of the now dead tiger, Sheba, responsible for what Sheba did to not only these animals, uh, but also this uh, human being? So that's a very interesting question in South African law, especially, because we have something what is known as strict liability for pet owners of a domesticated animal. Right. So that's when you're talking about the football cases. So in the circumstances where the animal can be classified as domesticated, which we'll get to with the tiger now, which we don't think it can be, but if the animal is domesticated and acts outside its nature, an owner will be strictly liable, irrespective of what the owner did. Oh, that's interesting. So hold on. So if it's been domesticated, what does it mean with acts uh, beyond its nature? So it means it acts in a way that is not domesticated, right? So like it attacks a human. Correct. It acts almost what outside of its uh, instinctive nature or what we would understand it to be its common nature that it displays day to day. Okay. Unless, Unless a person has provoked that animal, which would be a defense, 
for the pet owner. Okay. That's so, in the case of the domesticated animal, but we, we could never say, well, I would, I would submit we can never say that a tiger could be domesticated. Okay. So now, so now we move into a different area. There's been cases in South Africa where, for example, an ostrich has attacked, <laughs> attacked someone, or a, a bear, a caged bear has attacked an individual. Okay. And that takes us into a slightly different sphere of the law where we're dealing with a wild animal. Yes. Then the question really comes down to, was the owner reasonable in caring for that animal and potentially enclosing that animal? Okay. So, although I don't necessarily want to speak to the exact facts here, just because there's still a lot of speculation about what exactly transpired. Yes. If I give you a hypothetical, for example, that the tiger returned back to its um, holding, and we've heard, I think, from what I've read in the news, that there was a failure to then close the gate after the tiger returned at four in the morning. Oh, interesting. Okay. So that's one of the versions I've heard. I cannot confirm if it's true, but hypothetically for the purpose of the interview, let's say that it is. And only in that circumstance, we'd have to ask ourselves, what would a reasonable tiger owner do? Oh, exactly. It's a strange question to ask. And there's obviously not a lot of... Not a lot of, um, um, you know, precedent. Cases <laughs> we can, yeah. yes, we can draw on. But okay. Was it, was the enclosure? I mean, the bylaws obviously provide for certain requirements of the enclosure. Okay. One such requirement being that the enclosure needs to be within a certain distance. I think it's fifty meters from the perimeter. Interesting. Fence. Okay. So we need to ask: Was the owner reasonable? Not only after the tiger escaped, but also prior to its escaping. Mm, okay. Did the owner take reasonable steps to ensure that the tiger was kept away from the general public? Right. There's, there's case law in South Africa that does impose strict liability. Again, that means no fault liability for the listeners where the owner can have done absolutely nothing wrong and still be held liable. Right. In circumstances, okay. in circumstances where you bring the wild animal onto a public place. Yeah, this is crazy. Now, there's some argument that even by bringing a tiger into South Africa, you brought it out of its natural habitat. Into I understand. It, you know. So, unfortunately, there's not a clear-cut answer um, for your listeners, but it would have to be determined on the facts of this case. And one of the big questions that would need to be answered is, was the owner of the tiger reasonable mm. in caring for the tiger? And also, after it escaped, did it take reasonable steps to ensure that it could be recovered? Okay, so it's, yeah, for exactly. Example. So it's very much down to the reasonable behavior of the owner in the case that this animal will always be wild to try and make sure that it doesn't act in such a way or affect people. That is so interesting. Thank you so much. What a fascinating conversation. I, listen, what I'd really love, oh, by the way, if you tune in late, this is Caleb McKellar, attorney at law. Uh, Caleb, what I'd really love is if there are any further questions from listeners on the WhatsApp line uh, that I will uh, let you know what they are and then maybe we can have one more follow. But thank you so much for explaining that because it's that. such an unusual case and I hope you have a wonderful day, yeah? And yourself. All right. Been- fascinating hey Hmm. so complicated the question of can you make a tiger domesticated at all i don't know catch up on some of the best moments from five breakfast by going to five fm's catch up page on the five fm app or five fm.co.za